Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged and built up in your faith as we dive into God's Word together. Enjoy the message. Today we're finishing a series that we started weeks ago called To Whom Do You Pray? To Whom Do You Pray? And our hope with this series is is that you would begin to understand as you spend time with God really who it is that you're praying to. And I know that all of us, I hope that all of us would say, yes, I would like a deeper prayer life. Yes, I would like to be able to understand more about prayer. I want to believe that when I pray, things are happening and that when I speak to God, he's listening and that prayer changes situations and especially changes us. And so I believe that with all of my heart. And so I wanted to do this series. We started with, of course, this verse, James chapter 5, verse 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And what I love about this verse is what somebody said. He said that it's God's word and his promises that make it effective. But you have to bring the fervency. Amen? God's promises make it effective. You have to bring the fervency. And fervent just means energy. You bring energy into this. I would hope that when you go into your prayer closet, when you begin to speak the promises of God over your life, when you begin to see who it is that you're talking to, energy, energy should take place. And so I really believe that we need to develop a fervent, effective prayer life. And number one, I said this, you have to understand that you are praying to your loving father, your loving father. We start with that, and that's really the greatest understanding we could ever come to when it comes to our relationship with God is that he is our father. In fact, I want to do a whole series on that at the beginning of the year because there's so much to unpack there about our relationship with God and the understanding that he is a father. And then I also said this, that he's... He's also a purposeful creator. You're praying to your purposeful creator that he created you, but that doesn't mean that he just formed you and put you to the side. When he formed you, he put purpose inside of you. That life is more than nine to five. Life is more than just great vacation. There has to be more to life than that because those things are great, but eventually they just leave us empty. And it's only by going into our prayer closet, talking to God, we discover our purpose. That's why we pray. And so he's a purposeful creator. We also said, number three, he is a righteous judge. You're praying to your righteous judge. That means that you take the promises of God and you say, hey, I have a case here to make. That every, every word that he's spoken over my life is true. And I can go before my judge and say, God, if you promised it, then you'll enforce your promises. And so you begin to be consistent in your prayer life and refuse to give up, refuse to quit. You keep going before the judge who also is your father, right, and your creator. And then last week, I love last week's sermon where we said this, he is a merciful savior. You're praying to your merciful savior. And and God's really been taking me on this journey to understand mercy, and I don't think we'll ever fully grasp the concept of mercy 
but we can see it in the word of God. And of course, we can benefit from it. And when you go into your prayer closet, you understand you're going in there to receive mercy. That you go in there knowing that I am forgiven. And because I have been forgiven this incredible debt, I also have to choose to forgive others, right? And I read from the book of Micah, and I want to read this verse again. It's such a powerful verse. Chapter 7, verse 18 says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And I don't know who it was that said it, but I love this quote. God plunges our sin into the sea of forgetfulness and then posts a sign that says, no fishing allowed. Whenever I see no fishing, I get excited. No fishing allowed, right? Because we're the ones that often bring up our past, and we're the ones that bring up all of our failures, and we keep reminding ourselves of all of our mistakes. And so God chooses to remember our sin no more. If we've confessed it, we're forgiven today, we receive his forgiveness, and he plunges it into the sea of forgetfulness. And I said what's so important about this is something that A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, what you think about When you think about God, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. You have to believe that when you think about God, he's a loving father, he's a purposeful creator, he's a righteous judge, he's a merciful savior, right? And I know this, and I've said this for weeks now, my life, my life is better when I pray and worse when I don't. My life is better when I pray and worse when I don't. So here's the final point in this series, and I love today's point. Here's what it says. You are praying to your victorious king. You're praying to your victorious king. I have daily confessions that I pray over my life, and I've passed those out to you in times past. And I start off with just declaring who I am in Christ, that I I am a child of God. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've been adopted. I I am forgiven. And I begin to believe and confess all these things over my life. And the very last one that I confess over my life is this. I have the victory over death, hell, and the grave. I have the victory today. I get excited about that last one. I have the victory over death, hell, and the grave. I've done funerals, many funerals in my lifetime and we commonly read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where we say, hey, hey, this mortal must put on immortality. This corruption must put on incorruption. And then we say this, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Right? And then the Bible says this in verse 57 of that same chapter. Paul writes and he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. After talking about hell and talking about the grave, Paul just gets so excited and he says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you're in the Word of God, turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. I want to read to you this story about a vision that Isaiah had. I want to give you a little backstory on it first. Isaiah was a prophet who was a contemporary of a king by the name of Uzziah, whom he loved. And as you begin to read in these first few chapters of Isaiah and ultimately get to Isaiah chapter 6, here's what it says. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. In other words, he had a vision. Isaiah went to a place of prayer and God showed him a vision, right? Because he's filled with grief. He's He's sad, and so he goes into his prayer closet. And here's what he sees in his prayer closet. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphims, and one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, The whole earth is full of his glory. One translation says the Lord of angel armies. Come on now. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies. And it says that the train of his robe fills the temple. And I heard one person begin to explain that in these days when a king defeated another king, that they would cut off that king's robe that had been defeated and sew it on the victorious king's robe so that the longer the train of the king, the more victorious that king was. And Isaiah gets this vision and says this, that the train of God's robe, King God, right? His train filled the temple. In other words, this king had defeated every other king that had ever existed. That's our God. And I got this vision of this God, right? A victorious king, the Lord of angel armies. And then it says in verse 4, And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Here's this incredible vision by Isaiah. He sees King, God, right? He sees him high and lifted up on a throne, and he sees the glory of God, and where there is glory, there is worship, right? And so the worship of God is in the room. The angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And so they're singing to God, and they're talking about his holiness. They're talking about his greatness. And then Isaiah receives mercy and grace, An angel touches him with something that was on the altar of God. And he says, now your iniquity is forgiven. Your sin is purged. So he receives the grace of God. Now, what is his response to this vision of the king? Watch this in verse number eight. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? So here's a picture of the Trinity. 
capital us. So God's saying, who's going to go for us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now watch Isaiah's response. Isaiah says, here I am. Here am I. Send me. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know if anybody is going with me. All I know is that king, that king is calling me to go. And if that king, that high and lifted up king, that king whose train fills the temple, if that king is telling me to go, sign me up. Why? Because I know that king has never been defeated. That king is a victorious king. And it doesn't matter where I'm going. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if I'm alone in my journey. I know this, that me and him are going to be victorious because that king has never been defeated. And that's the king that you are praying to. Listen, I want you to understand when you go into your prayer closet, you're praying to a God who has defeated every enemy. He's never been defeated. His record is infinity and zero. Do you hear me now? That's our God. Amen? If God played golf, his score would be 18. He'd get a hole in one every time. Some of you don't know what that means, but that's a really good score. That's the God that we serve. He's never been defeated, never will be defeated. You are praying to a victorious king, right? I know we live in South Florida. We have a professional football team here, the Miami Dolphins. And they had a coach by the name of Don Shula. And Don Shula is the winningest NFL coach of all time. And he was an incredible coach. And he was a good man, all right? But it was said of Don Shula that not only could he beat you with his players, that actually if they flipped teams, he would beat you with your own players. That's how good a coach Don Shula was. But in spite of all his victories, he had his defeats. In spite of all his success, he had his failures. I want you to know that God has no defeats. He has no failures. His record has no blemish. Do you hear me today? He is an undefeated God. He is a king who has defeated every enemy on every shore. He has never lost a battle. Do you hear me today? That's the God to whom you pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this. Now thanks be to God who always, somebody say always. He always leads us in triumph in Christ. I said he always leads us in triumph in Christ. The message paraphrase of this verse, listen to this, here's what it says. In Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. I said it's perpetual. Huh? It's a victory parade after victory parade after victory parade. In other words, you can say it like this. Watch this. After the cross, the devil did not have a team meeting. He didn't gather his demons together and say, come on in, guys. Huddle up. Whew. That was a tough one. I mean, we really took it on the chin there at the cross. That was, that was tough. 
But I'm proud of you boys. Huh? Especially you, Beelzebub. <laughs> Come on now. You got Peter to cut off that dude's ear. That was a good move. That was a great play. That was a great play, right? Huh? So I'm proud of you. We didn't win, but you guys gave it your best shot. We'll get them next year. <laughs> Come on now. Did you hear me now? There is no next year. Huh? The cross has the final word, right? It's a one and done contest. It is forever finished. It is forever settled. At the cross, Jesus won and the devil was defeated and he'll always be defeated. Amen? He doesn't get another shot. That was it. It's over now. It is finished. And so when you got up today and you went into your prayer closet, you were able to participate in God's victory parade over the enemy. And guess what? Tomorrow, there's another one scheduled. And the next day, and the next day, on Wednesday, we get another victory parade. And every day we go into our prayer closet, we get the opportunity to tell the devil, he's defeated, my king defeated him on the cross. This thing is forever settled. It no longer has to be fought anymore. It is over. It is finished. Jesus has won, and Satan is the loser. Can I go to good amen from somebody here today? That's the God to whom you are praying. Amen? But the paradox of Christianity is this. Even though we've won, we still have to fight. Did you hear me? Even though you've won, we still have to put on the armor of God to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Even though you've won, there's still a battle for your mind. Even though you've won, this is our place, this is our understanding, we still have to take back territory that the enemy is holding and people that he's holding hostage, amen? So we have to understand there's still a fight to fight, but it's a different kind of fight. In fact, Paul said this to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. What is a good fight? One that you know you've already won. That's a good fight. If you know you've already won, that is a good fight. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in the book of Joshua. And I love this. Joshua chapter 1 God takes Joshua to the edge, I believe it's the edge of this cliff, overlooking the city of Jericho. And here's what it says, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. It says that the city of Jericho was completely shut down. They had hunkered down. They had heard the Israelites were coming. They sealed up all the gates. They were ready. They were prepared. And the Bible says this, none came in. And none went out. They were not going to be caught by surprise. The enemy was prepared and waiting for the children of Israel. And God says to, Jer to, to Joshua, see, I've given you the city. I just love that. I'm like, what? It looks like there's still a lot of work left to do. I would, if I was Joshua, I would have said back to God, God, the walls are still standing. Right? They're prepared for us. They're ready for us. We're not catching them by surprise. Huh? 
And God says to Joshua, you're not looking with the right eyes. You're looking with your natural eyes. In the natural, it looks like the enemy can put up a fight. In the natural, it looks like this thing's even. In the natural, it looks like there's a tug of war for your soul. But I want you to open up your spiritual eyes and see that there's more for you than there are against you. That this thing has already been settled for eternity. That the devil is defeated bondages are broken, addiction is canceled, depression has to go, fear has to go. See, I have given you the victory. Just open your spiritual eyes and see it. And if you're struggling here today, can I just call a timeout? Huh? I'm not the coach. I'm just another player, right? I'm just a player like you guys. We're all on the same team. This is all even here today, right? We've got a coach, right? He's undefeated in every game he's ever coached. And so I'm just another player going, hey, guys, time out. Let's huddle up. Let's get together. In fact, you could say Sundays are just a big huddle up gathering. Let's huddle up. You see these stands? They're filled with clouds of witnesses. And they're cheering us on. And they're saying, you could do it. You could do it. He shut the mouth of lions. Huh? He raised from the dead. He opened blinded eyes. Huh? He called fire. Fire came down from heaven. All these witnesses are saying, he's a miracle-working God. You can do this thing. Huddle up, boys. Huddle up. I got one thing to tell you. There's an empty grave. <laughs> Amen. There's an empty tomb. This thing is over. It's not even close. Check the scoreboard. It's already settled and done. We win. Now let's get back in the game. Don't quit and you won't lose. If you just don't quit, you won't lose. And let's fight the good fight of faith. Let's go into our prayer closet knowing we're going in victorious. We're coming out victorious. In fact, you could say it like this. We're not fighting for a victory. We're fighting from a victory. We're not fighting for a victory. That's settled. We're fighting from a place of victory. Amen? In fact, I want to give you this illustration today. I looked up what, what the word beachhead, right? Somebody in a war establishing a beachhead. I looked up what that meant. I want to give you the definition of beachhead. Here's what it means. It means a place or position that an army has taken control of for the purpose of further advancement. And, of course, the most famous one is Normandy. There were five beaches in Normandy that in 1944 the Allied forces fought to capture. They captured the beaches of Normandy, and they created what's called a beachhead. Now, I want to give you this example. I've got these cones over here, and I want to just set this up for you, and I want you to think about it for just a moment. This is, this is how we understand we're victorious in Christ, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into enemy territory, and Jesus established... A position, did you hear me now? He established a position, right, where he has taken complete control for the purpose of further advancement. 
And he has placed us right here. This is where I am. I am in Christ. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. I am in this place of victory today. I'm in this place of victory. This is where I exist. This, this is where my understanding is. That Jesus did all the hard work for me. And he has given me the victory in Christ, right? Jesus stormed the gates of hell. He took back the keys of hell and the grave and death. And he declared, I'm giving them to you. I'm giving you the victory today. And so this is our position. We understand that our lives are hid with God in Christ. And if I just understand that when I stay in this position, this is where my faith is. My faith is in what has already been done through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And just so you know, these cones are not stationary. Wherever I go, they go. Did you hear me now? So if I want to move this way, my position still is in Christ. I go to the mall, I'm victorious at the mall. Come on now. I go to, to, to another location, to another city, to another state, to my house, to my business, to my job. I'm in the car, wherever I'm at. Listen, the victory goes with me. I don't step outside the victory. Why? Because my faith tells me this is my position. I will not leave it. And if you're on the other side of this thing, living in defeat, thinking that the devil's winning, that you're never going to be victorious, you're always going to be on medication, you're never going to break free, you're always going to be on depression, you're going to have a, a, a terrible marriage, you'll never be happy, you live in fear and anxiety. Can I just invite invite you over to this side? Can I invite you to understand who you are in Christ? Can I invite you to stand right here in Christ knowing that it is God who has given us the victory? You don't earn your way into this position. God's grace and his mercy has put you here and you understand this. This is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith. Hallelujah. My faith has caused me to stand here. Amen? Hallelujah. I refuse to live in defeat. I refuse to live in less than what God has created me to live in. Amen? This is my victory today. And I know there's a fight. And I know that, that this thing is challenging and there's difficult days. And I was to say this, if I was to say, we got a new year coming, and if I was to tell the church and say, hey, I feel like the Holy Spirit has told me. Now, he has it. I'm just saying, don't, don't amen, don't get excited, because I'm about to reverse the thing, all right? So, but if I was to say, hey, I feel like God has told us that 2024 is going to be a year of rest, most of us would go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Rest. Because huh? it's what we all want. Why? Because fighting is hard. But when you understand this kind of fight, did you hear me now? The kind of fight that you've already won, right? Then you're not praying for a year of rest. You're thanking God for a year of victory. Amen? I'm believing that too. Listen, let me declare it. 2024 is a year of victory. Can I get a good amen from somebody here today? 
We're going over and not under. We're not going to live in lack and defeat. We're going to live in victory today. In fact, there's 365 victory parades scheduled for you. Amen? You just have to participate in them. This is our position in Christ. Amen? Thanks for joining us. And thank you to our Grace family who have been generously giving in to this ministry. For more information about our church, please visit gogracechapel.com and give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram with the same handle at gogracechapel. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.